0: Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Thursday. This episode is brought to you by, you guessed it, Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie. That's American meat delivered right to your front door. Goodranchers.com slash Allie. All right, guys, we have so much to talk about today. Just as a reminder, this is the last episode until after Memorial Day. Next week, we'll have some new content coming out, but we won't have any new podcast episodes. We're just taking a little vacation as a relatable team. So I know that you're going to miss us. We're going to miss you. We're going to come back with a vengeance after Memorial Day. And I wanted to make sure that I leave you with an especially good episode that you can just be chewing on for the next several days. Here's the rundown of what we're talking about. We are going to be talking about the attacks on the pregnancy centers that are happening by pro-abortion advocates in light of the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, We are going to be talking about the stunning silence and the hypocrisy from the media when it comes to that and the vague terminology used by the DHS when they said that they're expecting violence when it comes to the abortion issue and which side it's actually coming from. And we are also going to Talk about um, the hypocrisy from organizations like the Anti Defamation League. You'll see that the New York Times has cited the Anti Defamation League when they're talking about white supremacist violence. But does that really paint the whole picture of extremism in the United States? We'll talk about that. Also, going to talk to you about this crazy exchange that I had on Twitter with someone who really claimed that she would rather abort her child than adopt her child out to white evangelicals. And then finally, we are going to end on a very positive note, on a very uplifting note and empowering note that was very important to me in rounding out this episode, the last episode that we're going to give you before we come back after Memorial Day. You are going to hear from Mr. Herbie Newell. He is the president and executive director of Lifeline Children's Services. He's got a whole like 15 minute sermon for us, guys. He's going to tell you how we can truly, tangibly, practically be pro-life and help the women and the children who are in crisis. He's going to talk about how his organization does that, how Christians can be the hands and feet of Jesus in this arena. And he is going to remind us of the goodness of the gospel and the sovereignty of God. And that is going to carry us through the end of the episode. I might have one more thing to say after That just to make sure that we leave on the most empowering and God-centered note possible as you go into your weekend. But first, let's start with some of the dark stuff. Let's start with some of the craziness that is going on. At pro-life clinics across the country. Unfortunately, they have been subject to vandalism. They've been subject to threats. They've been subject to threats of violence. There are two organizations Ruth sent us, you know, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as well as Jane's Revenge, who are really promising intimidation, not just of these pro-life pregnancy centers, who, by the way, are doing all of the work that pro about Abortion advocates say that Christians and pro-lifers, anti-abortionists, are not doing. They're telling us that we're just pro-birth. Well, these pregnancy clinic, uh, these pregnancy clinics, these um, pregnancy centers are doing all of the post-birth and prenatal work that these pro-choice, pro-abortion advocates say that we are not doing and they are actually destroying these clinics. So this is happening in Reistertown, Maryland. This is according to WBAL-TV. Vandals spray painted threatening messages onto pregnancy center there. This is CareNet Pregnancy Center. The graffiti said, if abortions aren't safe, neither are you not a clinic. You're anti-choice, not pro-life. This was signed apparently by Jane's Revenge. This is also the group that took credit for the arson attack at Wisconsin Family Clinic. They spray painted over surveillance cameras to hinder investigation because of course they are cowards. In Denton, Texas, video shows vandal spray painting forced birth is murder on Denton Pregnancy Center, police say. Now just think about the irony in that statement. Think about how deluded and depraved your mind has to be to say that a woman, who is unable to murder her child before birth, that that is murder. It's murder to not murder a child. Like really think about that and just how corrupt and how given over your mind must be to lies in order to actually think that way. This is it was called Laredo or it is called Laredo House Center, and it was spray painted on Saturday morning. It also was written, not a clinic. So I'm guessing that this was also by Jane's Revenge, which I guess is a domestic terror organization, which is not surprising at all. These people are advocating for the murder of defenseless children. We shouldn't be surprised that they are also terrorists. Um, According to Fox News, at least five pro-life pregnancy centers vandalized within a week of the SCOTUS opinion leak. It chronicles uh, Manassas, Virginia, First Care Women's Health. Abortion is a Right was written on there. Fake Clinic was written on there. Liars was written on there. Of course, there was all kind of damage to the property as well. Portland, Oregon, unfortunately not surprising. Southeast Portland Pregnancy Resource Center smashed windows, spray painted FCPCs. Again, these are centers that are providing free services to women beyond just trying to convince them to keep their child, which honestly, at these pro-life pregnancy centers, there's not a whole lot of like earnest and loud persuasion. There's not this shaming. There's not so-called fear-mongering. There is truth being told, which I understand the pro-abortion side doesn't like. There is, There are sonograms being given. There are heartbeats being heard. There are babies seen on the ultrasound screen. And if you're truly pro-life, then you should be truly informed consent, right? You should want the women who are making the choice to have all the information possible. They should know about adoption. They should know what the abortion procedure entails, which, wow, the banshees on the pro-abortion side will absolutely just shriek and re all day, if you just talk about what an abortion is, they do not like to hear the truth about the brutality of the abortion procedure. They like to think that just fairy dust is sprinkled over the woman's abdomen and the baby goes back into, you know, the stratosphere. Um, Somehow they don't like to hear that it's actually brutal. It's actually violent. It actually involves poison. It involves starving. It involves pain. It involves dismemberment. And it's not just grotesque for the baby who is enduring it, but it's also a bloody and can be a very dangerous procedure uh, for women as well. The pro-abortion side doesn't like to hear the truth. That's why they rely on euphemisms. That's why they rely on obfuscation. That's why um, they rely on just lies and propaganda, because the truth really hurts them. And so that is why you're seeing the violence that you do. You know, like when you um, are dealing with a toddler who can't articulate what they want, they are just physically incapable, mentally, they don't have the capacity, the capability quite yet to be able to logically think through the decision that they're making or to be able to really verbally say what they want. And so they just kind of throw a temper tantrum. They just kind of get angry because they're so frustrated by you not understanding what they want and their inability to say what they want. Yeah. That's a that's a lot of progressives. That's pretty much all pro-abortionists. You try to meet them with any facts. You try to address them with any logic. You try to have a reasonable dialogue with them to try to show them the truth of abortion rather than addressing anything that they that you say. They use red herrings. They use non sequiturs. um, They just get really angry. They throw ad hominem attacks. They say mean things. They vandalize your pregnancy centers. Yeah, that's what they do because they have an infantile understanding of the thing that they say that they are defending. So that's what's happening across the country. Even the Department of Homeland Security, Biden's Department of Homeland Security, which we understand um, is run by left-wing ideologues as we have tracked for the past uh, year and a half. Uh, according to CBS, uh, DHS bulletin sites, at least 25 violent social media threats have been referred for investigation following the SCOTUS draft opinion leak. Quote These threats included discussion of burning down or storming the Supreme Court, as well as attacks on Congress. The bulletin warned of an emerging threat to government, religious, and reproductive health care personnel and facilities and ideological opponents, and marks the first intelligence bulletin explicitly issued to state and local law enforcement regarding abortion related um extremism in the wake of the opinion draft leak the volume of violent threats targeting supreme court justices members of congress other officials clergy healthcare officials and providers and others associated with the abortion debate are likely to persist and may increase leading up to and following the issuing of the court's official ruling the bulletin added so you'll notice some language in there you'll notice the use of healthcare officials um, instead of abortion providers, so that tells you ideologically where they are aligned, and also um, that they don't explicitly say where this is coming from. That, and they also use the word "reproductive healthcare," "reproductive um, rights" is obviously a euphemism for abortion. So again, we know ideologically where they're standing, and we can see them kind of bend over backwards. To cover up the fact that this extremism, these violent threats are actually coming from the pro-abortion side. We're actually seeing it. It's actually being visibly manifested right now. It's not just social media threats. We are watching it happen. Like we have seen these disruptions in front of the justices' homes where they have young kids um, who are living. I mean, they're disrupting the lives of their neighbors, which, by the way, like it's a federal crime to try to intimidate a judge or a justice into making the decision that you want them to make. These are the very people that say that they're pro democracy. It is not pro democracy to try to ensure that your country is ruled by mob rule because that's what it is. Like if these protesters in front of the houses of these justices are successful, like say Barrett and Kavanaugh and Alito, they say, "Okay, fine, we're going to vote to ensure that Roe v. Wade is not overturned." Then we are run by a mob, which unfortunately I think already happens. I, the Judges and justices, especially when it comes to cases of police brutality, um, they are subject to intimidation and mobs and threats. And so in some ways we are Already ruled by mob rule, but like you understand that if you say that you 're pro democracy but you're also for the intimidated of, the intimidation of justices, um, that you 're not actually pro democracy and of course, as we've talked about before, the left is not pro democracy they actually mean the opposite of democracy when they say democracy when they say democracy, what they mean is authoritarianism that they like when they say authoritarianism, what they mean is democracy they don 't like that 's just true. you can apply that rule anytime almost any time you hear a progressive um, use those terms. Axios actually says, um, Axios reported on this and actually said that abortion-related violence historically has been driven by anti-abortion extremists. I'm sorry, I don't believe it. I'm sure that that happens. I'm sure that that happens. I'm sure that there are Planned Parenthoods and there are abortion providers who are, by the way, like the greatest committers of violence in this country. Um, I'm sure that they have been targeted. I'm sure that there are, unfortunately, extremists who claim to be anti-abortion, who are attacking and threatening people who provide abortions. I don't think that's right. I don't think that that's ever justified. I don't think that we should resort to violence because then that just puts you in the same camp um, as them. But I'm sorry, I don't believe the anti-abortion extremists are driving the violence. Again, we would hear about it. You'd hear about it a lot more. You'd be hearing about it all the time. Um, we're actually seeing the violence and the vandalism and the intimidation coming from the pro-abortion side. But again, Axios, CBS, the GHS itself is really kind of trying to cover up where the violence and where the intimidation is coming from that's not a surprise at all they're not truth-telling organizations these are people who are just run cover for the left they're left-wing activists and um, that's part of the reason why we face the problems um, that we do and also just Consider all of the people who spoke up about the Buffalo shooting, about the dangers and the pervasiveness of white supremacy. Which I'm fine with reacting. I'm fine with talking about white supremacy. I'm fine with talking about how unjust and unjust and evil and awful um, the Buffalo shooting was, and the white supremacy that was apparently attached to the shooting. But notice that a lot of the Christians that you follow who claim to just be for justice, who claim to just be telling the truth and totally impartial and not political and partisan at all, notice what they talk about and what they don't talk about. Notice that they highlight that. Again, that's fine. But that they aren't highlighting the domestic terrorism that is happening at anti-abortion crisis pregnancy centers across the country. You don't have to comment on everything, but if you have a pattern of only commenting on something because there is a white perpetrator and because you can advance a left wing agenda and not covering the previous, you know, attacks, the previous terrorist attacks that we've had. And the current domestic terrorism against pro-life pregnancy centers, then maybe you're not just telling the truth. Like maybe you are just completely partial and you're completely biased when you talk about things that you say just have to do with justice. Something to consider. Something to consider for us as we observe, um, as we observe the commentary that comes out of Christians online. All right, we're going to talk um, a little bit more about this. We're going to talk about in light of what I just said whether or not, um, we should be most concerned with white supremacist terrorism or whether we also need to be directing our focus towards forms of terrorism like those against the pro-life pregnancy centers based on what the Anti-Defamation League and the New York Times are telling us. Um, let me pause and tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Good Ranchers. All right, guys, on Memorial Day, we're probably going to be grilling out. We're probably going to be cooking some barbecue. We're probably going to be grilling some burgers. And I know that we are going to be enjoying Good Ranchers American Wagyu burgers because they're so good. They're raised right here in the United States. It produces They produce the rich, buttery texture. That people who know their steaks crave. You can uh, you can grill these, you know, outdoors, inside. Prepare it any way you want to. They're all individually wrapped too. So if you just want one for yourself, or if you want ten, you can do that. That um, you just put them in your freezer. That's where we put all of our good ranchers meat. We bought like this deep freezer just for our good ranchers meat. And then I take the meat out every night at like 4.30 or so. And I thought it, yeah, we eat dinner early at our house. And then we prepare it with sides. It just makes our life so much easier. I truly love Good Ranchers for that reason. Plus, it's high quality and I love supporting American farms and ranches. Another great thing about this is that when you subscribe to Good Ranchers, you get your box of meat every month right to your front door. They lock in your price. So, as prices are raising across the country, are rising across the country um, on meat products, you don't have to worry about that with Good Ranchers. As long as you're subscribed, your price will not change. Plus, with my link and code, code alley uh to you get 2 pounds of free wagyu burgers and obviously you get zero inflation. So go to goodranchers.com/alley use code alley today that's goodranchers.com/alley. All right, so I wanted to comment on this chart that you guys have asked me about. You've seen it floating around. It was shared first by the New York Times. Also Ibramax Kendi shared it and you guys have asked me is this true? And this chart we'll put it up on YouTube. This is the New York Times reporting the Anti-Defamation League's data, they've counted, the New York Times says, about 450 U.S. murders committed by political extremists from 2012 through 2021. The New York Times says of these 450 killings, right-wing extremists committed about 75%. Islamic extremists were responsible for about 20% and left-wing extremists were responsible for Four percent and 55%, so that is included, I guess, in right-wing extremists, um, were white supremacy. So right there, that would be one contention that I have here. So are all white supremacists always counted as right-wing extremists? So 55% white supremacy, anti-government, 14%, other right-wing, 6%. So they're saying that is about 75%. Not all white supremacists, though, are right-wing or consider themselves right-wing, especially Like if you think about the Buffalo shooter, he said in his manifesto that he is a leftist, that he does call himself, I think, like an eco fascist. And so he's a little bit he was a little bit all over the place ideologically. But he said that he hated conservatism. He hated Fox News, that he considered himself a populist, some kind of left wing authoritarian. And so um, I don't Understand, and this is the big problem that I have with this, how the ADL is getting its numbers. And when you go to the ADL site, they don't actually tell us how they are calculating this. Now, we know that the ADL is a left-wing organization, that they're not actually an honest resource. They are committed to a particular progressive agenda. And here's how we know this. There are a couple resources I consulted, one of them being ADL's website and another very long and thorough article in Commentary Magazine by by Seth Mandel about the ideology, the politics that um, it's driving, that are driving the head of the ADL and why we really should be kind of questioning the information and the data and the analysis that they're putting out based on that. So I looked at the ADL's site because I had some questions about how, how are they calculating this? How are they finding this data? I have no problem with accepting the fact or acknowledging the fact that white supremacists are driving political extremism um, or extremist-based killings in the United States, if that's actually true, I do have a problem with them lumping all white supremacists as as right wing without actually telling us why they are categorizing them as that or providing us with some information about how they decided to make that choice. So if you look at The chart that is being cited by the New York Times. If you look at ADL's 2021 report, you read this quote: "In 2021, domestic extremists killed at least 29 people in the United States. Most of the murders, 26 of the 29, were committed by right-wing extremists, which is usually the case. However, two killings were committed by black nationalists and one by an Islamist extremist. The latter being the first such killing since 2018." We will link this report. You can look at it for yourself. But hang on. Hang on. Here's a problem. We know for a fact that the Waukesha terrorist in November of 2021 killed six white people and that he espoused black supremacist views on social media, said on social media that he wanted to knock out old white people. And we know the Daily Caller actually reported on this last year and said that the ADL, for reasons, again, that we don't know, did not include the Waukesha terrorist in their list of left wing or black nationalist extremists. We also know that the terrorists in April of 2021, I'm trying to avoid using their name so they don't have any satisfaction of any kind of, you know, infamous or famous reputation that or that they may have. I just don't want to contribute to that, even though I mistakenly have in the past said their names. But we know that the terrorists in April 2021 who rammed his truck into the Capitol and killed a police officer. We know that he was a follower of Louis Farrakhan. He was a black nationalist. Um, So that's that right there is seven killings. And then we also know that in March of 2021, you probably even forgot about this, that a Muslim man killed 10 people at a Boulder, Colorado grocery store. These are just the events that I can think of off the top of my head in 2021. And if you go to ADL's website and you search For the name of the Waukesha terrorist, you only get two articles. One article of those two articles actually talks about um, what he says about Jews, but does not mention anything that he said on social media about white people. The second article that comes up is about how white supremacists are um, exploiting what it calls the Waukesha tragedy for their own personal gain. Not Waukesha terrorist attack or murder, but just a tragedy. And again, it's white supremacist pounce. And of course, they conflate that with being right wing. So it's not actually about what happened in Waukesha, but about the reaction to it. The article says this. While a harrowing tragedy, Waukesha police chief Daniel Thompson said Brooks was apparently fleeing a domestic disturbance. No proof of that. And declared the incident not a terrorist event, according to a review of Brooks's online footprint conducted by... ADL, there appears to be little evidence that Brooks actively subscribes to an overarching extremist ideology. There's obviously a bias there. There is a reticence by the left-wing ADL to call um, what a Black person does extremism, even if they had anti-white, anti-Semitic pro-Black nationalist and Black supremacist rhetoric on their social media. They're not going to call it extremism because they don't want to add this to the count of extremist violence and extremist murder in their data. If you search the name of the Black nationalist who killed a D.C. police officer in April of last year, you find one article. The article says that while he was definitely a part of Louis Farrakhan's Nation of Islam, which is anti-Semitic and it's an anti white religion. There's little evidence The ADL says that that's what influenced him and his attack. So again, trying to get around, including this person in the category of extremist. Search for the shooting by the, uh, the Muslim man in Boulder last year that killed 10 people. No articles at all about that. No articles at all. You'll remember that the media was calling that white supremacy until we found out where the guy was from and what his ideology and religion actually is. Search Buffalo though, on the ADL site, and already they have 13 articles mentioning the Buffalo shooter, which I'm fine with that. 13 articles, great. There could be more analyzing everything there. There's a lot to talk about. I'm fine with highlighting that, but only highlighting that, predominantly highlighting that, and not the other forms of extremism, not the other instances of extremist-fueled Murder, in which other people died, that shows a bias. That means you don't actually care about the victims or even the danger of extremism. You only care about your ideology. Also, I guarantee that they will, at least the New York Times will, but I'm sure the ADL will too, that they will categorize the Buffalo shooting as a right-wing attack to try to pump up that number, even though, as we said, this guy called himself left-wing in his manifesto. Of of course, this year, we also had the subway shooter who shot a bunch of people um, in a Brooklyn subway after posting his hatred of white people and Asians and Jewish people on YouTube. Um, Now, we don't know. We don't know whether or not the ADL is going to include that in their uh, data that shows extremist violence um, in the United States this year. I think that we can probably base our guesses off of last year um, and say that they're not going to. But understand like this bias and this partiality actually matters because this data is being used to push a particular kind of perspective that is then going to push a particular kind of rhetoric that is then going to push a particular kind of policy. And because. It is driven by a particular political agenda of the ADL because it doesn't paint an accurate picture of extremist violence in the United States. We're not going to be able to address the problem with real solutions because we can't see things as we are. When you think this kind of critical race theory fueled idea that white oppressor, non white oppressed, I mean, that blinds you to reality, that blinds you to morality that blinds you to the problems that we face. And it prevents us again from enacting real solutions because you can't see good and evil as it is. You see white and non-white. And that is that is a, a mistaken binary when you are trying to judge right from wrong. That is going to unfortunately inhibit us uh, from being able to grapple with the reality and the dangers that we are facing. As I said, Seth Mandel, he is a journalist, Bethany Mandel. His wife has been on our show before. Um, he wrote this long article in Commentary Magazine in 2018, and I won't go through it all. There are a lot of really good quotes, but he talks about Jonathan Greenblatt, who is the head of the ADL. He um, succeeded longtime ADL director Abe Foxman in 2015. Jonathan Greenblatt worked for the Obama administration and he has taken the organization in a decidedly and overtly left wing direction, commenting on political issues that the ADL hasn't always commented on, uh, has commented a lot more on abortion and Roe v. Wade and the danger of the Supreme Court deciding in favor of the christian baker jack phillips so almost an anti-religious liberty position that it's taken spoke out immediately against uh kavanaugh's nomination and it was so obvious it was so quick that that was just a reflexive reaction to anything anyone that trump was going to nominate spoke out against uh trump policies and um The and Mandel says Seth Mandel says that, yes, the ADL will, you know, sometimes kind of criticize Democrats to try to keep up this facade of. A non-partisanship, but that really it is simply an anti-right-wing, anti-conservative, pro-left-wing organization. And that is going to color the things that it talks about. That's going to color the so-called statistics that it puts out. And so we just have to be very thoughtful about that. It's really unfortunate if we had more truth-telling organizations, if we had better journalists that actually cared about correct representation of extremism and correct data collection, then maybe they would be holding an organization like the ADL accountable. So just keep all that in mind when you are seeing the things that your friends are saying that social justice Christians are saying, when you see the so-called data that is being shared, it's not always an accurate representation of what is going on. Again, it's a representation of partiality that actually prevents us from preventing the violence that we are seeing from so many different kinds of people with a wide variety of ideologies and a wide variety of melanin counts. All right, speaking of extremism, we are going to play a couple clips, a few clips from a hearing from the U.S. House Judiciary uh, Committee and their hearings on abortion. This is something that is happening right now. And again, this is something that you're not going to hear a lot of the Christians that you're seeing commenting on everything else talk about. Um, They won't talk about this form of extremism. They'll stay focused on the left wing issues. And yet this is something that's happening right now is in the mainstream of the Democratic Party and shows a love and a rabidity for violence and extremism far more than we are seeing on the conservative side. So we'll play you some examples of that in just one second. Let me pause, tell you about our second sponsor for the day. That is Relief Band. So Relief Band is this awesome tool. It is a drug-free way, completely drug-free way, to try to fix your nausea. To If you've got morning sickness, to help your morning sickness. If you've got and nausea because of anxiety or motion sickness relief band works to help you alleviate the symptoms of all of those things, and it works by stimulating a nerve on your wrist so it 's kind of like a watch that you wear on your wrist it stimulates the nerve, which communicates your to your brain that it needs to stop allowing your stomach to be nauseous, so it kind of inhibits the messaging there. So that you are not, uh, so that you're not suffering with the same symptoms that you typically are when you are, you know, in the car and getting motion sick and things like that. And the great thing is that you don't have to worry about the side effects of medication. It is the only drug-free, FDA-approved um, nausea reliever. It's also great for people who are getting nauseous from things like chemotherapy. You don't want to worry about the different kinds of medications out there to alleviate nausea that could, you know, cause other symptoms that make you feel even worse. And that is why I think the relief band is so awesome. And my sister-in-law has used relief band because she has suffered from motion sickness for a very long time. And she says it works. Like it can be really life-changing if you are someone who struggles with chronic nausea. So you might as well check it out by going to Relief Band. com. If you use my promo code Allie, A-L-L-I-E, you get 20% off plus free shipping. That's R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com. Use promo code Allie for 20% off plus free shipping. It truly can change your life for the better. So just go to Reliefband.com, promo code Allie. All right. I don't think that the ADL is going to include these people that we're about to play um, in their... uh, in their chronicling of left-wing extremists. I also don't think that they are going to characterize the attacks on the pregnancy centers as left-wing extremist violence. Unfortunately, nevertheless, we are here, uh, the Relatable podcast, to show you the extremism that is articulated on the left side when it comes to abortion. So as I said, this is a hearing. These are Republicans that you will hear questioning the witnesses Amy Arambidi, she is the executive director of Avow Texas, an abortion rights advocacy organization in Austin, Texas. There is an abortion provider that you will hear have an exchange with some representatives. So here is representative, Republican Representative Mike Johnson. Uh, He is trying to get the witness to say whether or not she agrees Um, that at some point, at some point, abortion should be outlawed. And here is her response to that.
1: What is the principal distinction between the human being that is two years old or nine months old or one week old or an hour old than one that is eight inches further up the birth canal in the utero? What's the difference? Why is it okay in the latter case and not the former cases?
0: I trust people to determine what to do with their own bodies. Wow. Full stop. All right. What? I see this is what we were talking about in the beginning. They can't actually defend their position. They can't tell you like what is the difference between a baby who is 2 seconds outside of the womb? and a baby who is in the womb. So she also, she's supporting right then abortion up until birth, abortion up until crowning. And for people who say, well, that never happens. No one is for that. Well, then it should be really easy for someone who is an abortion rights advocate to say, you know what, I think that there should be limits at this point of gestation. But they don't say that anymore. You'll notice Beto O'Rourke, all of these pro-abortion Democrats, which almost every Democrat is, you almost have to be at this point. They will not say when they think abortion should be limited, they will just say, oh, we trust women or we trust people like this nut job just said. We trust people to know what to do with their bodies. There's another body. There's a baby literally crowning out of your cervix. And you're saying that that child should be murdered? And they can't even explain what's the difference between the baby inside the womb and a baby outside of the womb, except for location. Are you telling me location is a justification for murdering a person? Like that's the quality? for a person's dignity, for whether or not a person has rights. What is so magical about the birth canal? And by the way, like how far out of the womb does the baby have to be to suddenly have rights? Because we know that babies, that pregnancies, um, birth can be induced and then the abortionist actually snips the spinal cord or even sucks the brain out of the baby in order to kill The baby, and then takes the baby out of the womb. That is something that happens in the United States um, in the abortion procedure. This person can't even answer it. They just say, she just says, oh yeah, you know, I trust people. Um, And then there was this other, there's this other terrible um, exchange uh, between Rep. Mike Johnson and one of the, one of the witnesses and he asks, How does one qualify as fully human? And here's the response from this abortion provider.
1: How does one qualify as fully human? What makes
0: a human being? What makes a person a human being is them being born number one. That's why we have birthdays. So they really are, guys, they I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be ad hominem here, but they really are dumb as a box of of stubby crayons. I mean, really. We, this person's not a human because it doesn't have a birthday yet. Come on. Like we can't be a little bit more scientific than that. Come on, come on. Life starts at conception. Now you could think that it's okay to, to kill that life, to kill that human being. After conception, I obviously think you're wrong. There's no scientific question about when life begins. Life begins that human being is a distinct human being with distinct human uh, human DNA that is growing from the time of conception it has every single sign and characteristic of life and of humanity you might not think that human being has rights but that is a human being these people they've never been forced to think through or logically defend their position so they don't they they just don't they say oh well it's not human because it doesn't have it doesn't have birthdays a person a human being um is has to be born in order to be considered a human being so what is the baby inside the womb what's the baby inside the womb it's a turvis tumbler it's a squash it's a volleyball it's an alarm clock and then all of a sudden the baby comes out and it's a human being no that's scientifically incorrect scientifically incorrect there was this article in quillette um and a journalist asked, I think it was 5,000 scientists. Um, I'm looking it up right now because it's just coming top of mind. I asked thousands of biologists when life begins. Uh, the answer was not popular. So this is Steve Jacobs. Shortly after being awarded my PhD by the University of Chicago's Department of Comparative Human Development, this year I found mas- myself in a minor media whirlwind and then goes on to explain how he wrote this particular article how he got into media and then um he explains how he decided that he was going to how he was going to ask these scientists these biologists when life begins because this is really like one of the core disagreements that pro-abortionists and anti-abortionists have And so he found that 5,337 biologists, that's 96%, affirmed that a human's life begins at fertilization, that sperm meets egg, with 240, only 4%, rejecting that view. The majority of the sample identified as liberal, 89%, pro-choice, 85%, and non-religious, 63%. In the case of Americans who express party preference, the majority identified as Democrats. All right. So the vast majority of biologists, pro-choice Democrat biologists, understand that life begins at the point of fertilization. This particular abortionist, maybe to help herself sleep at night and to try to just cover up what she does for a living and how she makes money, which is dismember children, Um, she wants to just pretend like it's not a human being she says something that's really stupid um princeton princeton.edu we will include the link there is um a, there is a paper February 1999 it was published when do human beings begin and this particular um this particular dr Diane in Irving outlines why humanity and life starts at the point of fertilization. Also, if you go to American College of Pediatricians, There was um, a study, a paper that was published in March 2017, and says the predominance of human biological research confirms that human life begins at conception, fertilization. At fertilization, the human being emerges as a whole genetically distinct, individuated, zygotic, living human organism, a member of the species Homo sapiens, um, needing only the proper environment in order to grow and develop. These are not pro-life organizations. These are scientific organizations. And so there's not a question. There's not a question of when life begins. It is a question of whether or not you believe it is okay to kill some innocent people simply because of where they reside or because of how defenseless they are or because of what size they are. That's the only question that exists. Now, she's asked specifically by Representative Chip Roy how late of an abortion she has performed and what that actually looks like. Here is her non-response to that.
1: When is the latest that you have performed an abortion, in terms of weeks uh, of the uh, unborn child?
2: Yes, my name is Dr. Robinson, and I provide abortion care in Alabama. So Alabama has... What is the
1: answer to the question, the latest that you have performed an abortion?
2: I'm going to answer your question. So, unfortunately, number, my state weeks. is one of those states that has passed um, restrictions or bans on abortion care, which limits physicians like myself. And from therefore, in other
1: words, you'd like to do it later. What is the latest in you have performed an abortion?
2: So, since I will always follow the law and I live in the state of Alabama, I provide abortion care up until 20 weeks gestational age.
1: Okay, so you performed an abortion at 20 weeks? Yes, sir. Uh, and the procedure for an abortion, when we're talking about at 20 weeks, as I understand it, is dilation and extraction. Have have you um, performed abortions at that stage? And in, in doing so, have you uh, had baby parts that you've had to uh, discard or store in some capacity?
2: One of the things that you all have done Legs, throughout, arms, this, throughout this hearing is just use
0: inflammatory language. So you'll see again, she obfuscates. She doesn't want to answer the question. He's exactly right when it comes to 20 week abortions and even several weeks before that. The baby is too big to just be kind of sucked out of the birth canal, and this is not a situation where a woman at, t- takes a pill and then passes the baby. Um, this baby has to be torn apart with forceps. At this point, the the woman has to be dilated; her cervix has to be dilated. Hopefully, the baby has died at that point. There are procedures that are that precede um, the in clinic procedure that um, in which the abortionist has to reach inside the woman with forceps and typically with a suction tube and to get out the baby's limbs to crush the baby's skull and to then pull the baby out of the birth canal. That is what an abortion looks like at 20 weeks. This woman obviously doesn't want to talk about it. She calls that inflammatory language. Yeah, abortion is inflammatory. Just talking literally about what abortion is, that is inflammatory. And then my personal favorite, a representative asks one of the witnesses, you know, what do you, I mean, what do you consider uh, a woman? And here was her response.
1: What do you say a woman is?
2: I believe that everyone can identify for themselves.
1: Okay. Um, Do do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions?
0: Yes. If If you can't see me right now because you're listening, I'm just like pounding my hands against my head because it's so tiresome. It's so tiresome. These people, these people, again, I'm not trying to be rude, but they have hearts of stone and brains of mush, mushy, mushy oatmeal, not even like well-formed oatmeal. I'm talking about like just like watery oatmeal. Their brains are made out of that. And again, it's not like it shouldn't be surprising because we are talking about we're talking about people who worship the father of lies. And so, of course, they're going to believe lies. We're talking about people who have depraved, corrupt minds. It reminds me of the verse. And let's see. in Oh, it's in Romans 1.21. For some reason, I thought it was in Ephesians. So Romans one twenty-one: For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Um, And so that is what has occurred here. The foolish heart has been darkened, and they do not have understanding of what is good and right and true. Here's the verse I was thinking about in Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 18. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Oh, this is perfect description of what we're looking at here. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds." And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So if you find yourself as a Christian agreeing with any part of what we just heard, like you should really you should really consider. You should really consider the true state of your heart and who you worship. If you're worshiping Christ or if you're worshiping yourself and really that would be worshipping Satan, even if you think that you're worshiping the government or yourself or your spirituality, whatever it is, there are really only two options. Um, And so this is the kind of extremist rhetoric, the kind of violent rhetoric that is completely normalized on the Democratic side. This is what the pro-abortion movement looks like. This is mainstream. This is not me not picking random people on Twitter. This is what the pro-abortion movement looks like. There's always time to get on the right side of this. There's always time. And speaking of violent rhetoric and speaking about what the progressive pro-abortion side looks like, I'm going to tell you about this wild tweet exchange that I had with someone named Joe lumen i think that's how you pronounce her last name who said something maybe it was like the most wicked thing that i have ever seen on twitter and that's really saying something because twitter is an absolute cesspool so i'll tell you about that in just one second let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day, our third sponsor, and that is Birch Gold. So the Fed is realizing the dire straits our economy is in thanks to our loose monetary policy. Apparently, you can't just spend trillions of dollars every year with no repercussions. Who would have thought. So to play catch up, the Fed has been raising rates and plans to seven times this year. You're already starting to see those ripple effects in the housing market as people's buying power diminishes. Have you considered? You probably have. What could happen in the stock market if our economy stalls out? Don't wait till that happens. It's better to be safe than sorry and to be prepared. So take some of your profits from the stock market now. Solidify them with gold from Birch Gold. Throughout history, gold has maintained its value better than any other investment in the world. Text Allie to 989-898 for a free zero obligation info kit on holding gold in a tax sheltered retirement account. Text Allie to nine eight nine eight nine eight. That's Allie to 989 Okay, we're going to go right into just like the darkest of the dark when it comes to progressivism and the pro-abortion side. And then we're going to have that interview. I told you this is going to be a longer episode, a mega episode. Um, we're going to play that interview with the head of the pro life organization that is going to remind you of the light and the goodness and the power of God and that our cause in being anti abortion and just being ambassadors for the gospel is so worth it. But first, let us delve into the darkness of this Twitter exchange. So, Joe Lumen, she tweeted, I would rather get an abortion than have a brown child who ends up being adopted by white evangelicals. It is not a kindness to children of the global majority, guess she's talking about black and brown children, to give them to people who will traumatize them with self and ancestral hatred. And abortion is an act of love. Now, recall that passage that I just read out of Ephesians 4. Their foolish hearts were darkened. That's Romans 1, Ephesians 4. They're darkened in their understanding. They are filled with foolishness and depravity and corruption. And that if Joe were listening to this, she would have no idea. It would be like I'm speaking a different language to her. She would be so hostile and angry to what I have to say because she is in total submission to wickedness that's why she is able to say something like an abortion is an act of love it is the exact opposite of the act of love it is an act of selfishness it is an act of hate it is an act of violence um, against a vulnerable and defenseless innocent human being and there's so much disconnect in what joe believes because maybe the only thing that i've heard her say one of the only things that i've heard her say this is a real person by the way i know it reads as a parody this is not a parody i've had an instagram live with this person this is a very real person. Um, The only thing, one of the only things that I've heard her say that I agree with is she said that, you know, children are marginalized. Children are the most marginalized group in the world. She was responding to a TikTok where someone was saying like F them kids and was being rude about kids. And I was like, yes, Joe, I completely agree with that. Children are the most marginalized group group in the world. That's something actually that we say a lot. But there is so much disconnect because she apparently believes that a child is not a child until they exit the womb. And again, as we have already discussed today, that is completely arbitrary. They're humans in both cases. The only thing that changes is attachment by the umbilical cord and location. And those are very arbitrary reasons to kill someone, to justify killing someone. But Joe actually says that it's not just for her about like not raising a child. For her, like she would rather kill a child. She would rather a needle go through her abdomen into the heart of a wiggling baby so that fetal demise is insured by forcing a heart attack using the same chemical combination that is used to execute a murderer's on death row in a lethal injection. She would rather that child be killed in that manner and then dismembered with forceps and taken out of her cervix, then a child be adopted to a loving family who would raise them well, who would care for them, who would show them the love of Jesus because they are white. It's not the evangelical portion that she cares about, although she does have a problem with that too. It's really the white evangelical portion that she cares about. Of course, I went back and forth with her because I couldn't resist, even though typically I ignore the ridiculous things that she says. She says ridiculous things all the time. Um, And typically I ignore it. Uh, However, I um, responded this time and I said basically what I just said, that she would choose the abortion that I just described over having her baby raised by Christians who will love him and she sincerely believes that she's on the right side. She responds by saying, Allie, don't please. My body would literally not survive a pregnancy right now. After several abdominal surgeries, it wouldn't. But even if it did, my family wouldn't. And adoption is not an alternative when people like you could end up raising my child. Oh, your child." would be so fortunate to be raised by a husband and wife who would care for them in every way. And she goes, other people said the same thing that I did. And she actually said evangelicals are white evangelicals are not loving parents. Wow. What a statement to make. White evangelicals are not loving parents. Just think about that. Think about that. Parents out there who like me would die for your children die a thousand deaths if you could for your children would literally do anything for your children would give up would sacrifice would do absolutely anything to ensure your child's protection um i know a lot of you out there who you have fostered and you have adopted children who are not white Because you love God, because you love your neighbor, because you've advocated for the most vulnerable, Joe thinks that it is better for a child to be poisoned, to be starved, to be dismembered, for their brain to be sucked out and for their skull to be crushed than for a child to live and be adopted by loving parents. And it shouldn't surprise you that there are plenty of people on Twitter who agree with her because they don't have any problem with abortion and they actually think being a Christian is worse. Um than being a murderer. Literally, that is what they believe. I responded. I said, you would rather your child be brutally murdered, then adopted by people who would care for them. That's ghoulish, Joe, even for you. And she says, care for them. Residential schools, forced conversions, racism that kills black and brown people and is defended by white evangelicals. You overwhelmingly voted for and supported Trump, a misogynistic, racist, xenophobic, man, euphemism, amusement, blah, 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 blah. word salad. And you are homophobic phobic, she said. Oh, no. Someone who believes in what human beings and Christians have believed for thousands of years about sexuality and marriage, raising children who would have otherwise not had parents who could care for them. Um, And I had a lot of people going back and forth saying, you didn't describe abortion correctly. That's not, she said, that's not what happens in an abortion when I described a second trimester abortion, Yes, it is. It literally is. Pro-abortion activists just literally, they just tell you you're lying. You're just lying. You're just lying about it. And they don't actually correct you because they don't know what an abortion is. They literally don't know, or they do know, and they just want to lie. Now, Joe, she got a lot of attention. She got a lot of attention because of this. Matt Walsh, uh, quote, tweeted her. Matt Walsh has a huge audience. Charlie Kirk, tweeted about her huge audience there is um this account called the list that puts like bad uh bad tweets on this list and like advertises it and shows like hey these are the bad tweets of the list people right left and center make this list every week um i guarantee i can almost guarantee like this tweet is probably going to end up on tucker carlson's show because it made such a splash and now she is saying that she is a victim she said, oh, no, like when I got quote tweeted last time by someone like Ali Stuckey and Matt Walsh, I got I got death threats and I got bullied. And I told her, I said, look, post those screenshots And I mean, this post those screenshots of the people who are sending you death threats, post it publicly so we can all report them. That will will help you because I'm completely against death threats. I'm completely against threats of violence. I'm completely against doxing, especially if it comes to threatening of the safety and the security of your children. I am against that no matter how much I absolutely disagree with you. So I am against my followers doing that. I am against people sending ad hominem attacks. But you cannot. This is a manipulation tactic. This is what she did last time to me. Because I responded to one of her tweets with Lauren Chen on Lauren Chen's show a couple years ago. And then she claimed that we were bullying her, that we were sticking people against her, that we caused death threats. Look, you say something publicly on a public platform, you have tens of thousands of followers, people are allowed to respond publicly. And unless someone is trying, is, is explicitly saying that, oh, people should threaten her, people should like enact violence against her, if people are saying that, that's one thing um that would be wrong but someone just publicly responding to you and their followers who they don't have any connection to who they are not endorsing at all then like saying mean thanks to you that is not the fault of the person who publicly responded to you you said something purposely inflammatory the worst thing one of the worst things that i've ever seen someone say you said it publicly on a public platform. You have a public account. You could protect your tweets. You can make it private if you wanted to. You could have said it in some kind of private forum. You can put it behind a paywall, but you didn't. You said it publicly on your public site and people responded publicly to you and you're getting public responses and you're getting public backlash because of that. And for you to act like a victim after you sent a racist and vitriolic and destructive and murderous tweet, I mean, Yeah, you're going to get that kind of response. Against, I Again, I am against all forms of violence and threatening and doxing and all of that. I am. But to act like you are now a victim when all people are doing is responding to you publicly and to say that the people who responded to you publicly are somehow a part of the threats that you are receiving, that's just not true. And again, I would say you should publicly share. You should publicly share the people who are threatening you. I think that that would be um, important to do because then I would be happy to also report those people. So share the screenshots of that. People did find out that she is like sitting on the school board of her kid's school. I don't like people posting pictures of that. Some people are defending it by saying, well, we're just calling the school board. Like this is where she volunteers and works. She shouldn't be on a school board I understand. I understand. But to me, this crosses into endangering her kids. Her kids did nothing wrong. Her, were, her kids can't help that her their mother is pro-abortion. And so I don't like that. That's not something that I would amplify. That's not something I would do. I don't want anyone's kids to um, be threatened. But she cannot be angry that people are simply responding to something that she said that was so violent and vitriolic and purposely intending to inflame. This is a person who claims that she's a, she's decolonizing her faith, she's deconstructing her faith, and she is emblematic of progressivism. Like, this is where it sends your brain. This is the pro-abortion logic taken to its logical conclusion. So just understand that. So now that we have delved into serious darkness, well, when it comes to this ideology, Let's lift ourselves back up. I want to talk to Herbie Newell, who is, as I said, the head of a pro-life organization, and he is going to remind us of whose we are, of who we serve, and the mission that we're on. Compare what someone like Joe Lumen said, what those witnesses said that I played, to what our guest is about to say. It should be extremely obvious who is on the light side and who is on the dark side you want to talk about justice, you want to talk about the right side of history, I think the dichotomy is pretty darn obvious here. Before we get into that conversation, let me tell you, and I'll have something to say just briefly after the conversation, um, but let me tell you about our last sponsor for the day. That is Healthy Cell. All right, guys, you are taking like a million different multivitamins every day you're taking a prenatal vitamin and then you're taking all this other stuff. Did you know that it might not even be working because of the capsule that your multivitamin is in? It's just not very soluble. And so your body probably isn't absorbing all of the things that you need and that you think that you're getting from your multivitamins. And that is why healthy a healthy cell exists. They use a technology called microgel to deliver maximum absorption. The old fashioned tablets and capsules and powders that you're probably using contain synthetic other ingredients, that includes binding glues. Fillers, coatings that can irritate the lining of your stomach and actually prevent absorption. But healthy cells, microgel, suspend soluble, ultra-absorbable nutrient particles inside the natural gel made of gut-healthy ingredients like soluble fiber, citrus pectin, acacia gum, and water. These are amazing multivitamins. They have all different kinds. They don't contain artificial sweeteners, flavors, flavorings, or colorings. It's even non-GMO, gluten-free, and vegetarian. So if you want to stop taking a million multivitamins that don't even work, you want to make sure that you are getting all of the nutrients, all the vitamins that you really need, you need to check out Healthy Cell. Plus, you can get a 20% discount if you use my link and code. That's HealthyCell, C-E-L-L, HealthyCell.com slash ally. Use code Alley for 20% off your first order. Go to HealthyCell.com slash Alley. Promo code Alley. Mr. Newell, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell everyone who you are and what you do?
2: Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be with you, Allie. My name is Herbie Newell, and I am the executive director for Lifeline Children's Services. We're an orphan care, adoption, foster care ministry that's been around since 1981. We care for women going through crisis pregnancies, vulnerable children here in our country, the United States, and around the world in 24 different nations. And so we just have a, a robust robust ministry that wants to seek to equip the body of Christ, the local church, to ultimately manifest the gospel to orphans, vulnerable children, and vulnerable women.
0: Tell me a little bit more about this process. So if someone wanted to get involved or if someone wanted to learn more about just kind of like the day-to-day of your ministry, how would you describe it to them?
2: Yeah, well, you know, in what we do, there's not really a, 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 a rhythm of a day to day. Every day is different because we're getting engaged in the messy lives of the most vulnerable in our world. So one of the great ways that I would encourage folks to get involved is with family reunification. It's one of the, the easiest on ramps, especially for uh church members for churches to get engaged and really what that is is that's teaching mentoring and loving on families that have lost their kids to foster care Mm. and so we know we have a foster care crisis in our nation but one of the things that i believe the church can do believers can do pro-life people can do is to wrap around these families that have lost these kids most of these families want their kids back But the government is not set up to help them get their kids back they're not set up to help them break cycles in their lives they're not set up to help them find the systems and the rhythms that they need to be able to provide a healthy Uh, nurturing place for their child and what we've been able to see through our program called families count is churches in 19 states now that have wrapped around and we've seen over 1500 families reunified out of foster care and they're thriving and they're surviving and now these parents and these children are in safe healthy places. But more importantly, they're connected to men and women in their community who are loving on them, caring for them, and continue to meet with them to help see them thrive. So that's one of the on-ramps, and and that is a, an easy way for people to get engaged. I think especially with what's going on in our nation with the Dobbs case and with, Lord willing, the, the overturn of Roe v. Wade, there's so many ways that especially women, if they're available, can counsel other women who are going through crisis pregnancies, and not just to. Confirm a pregnancy, but to actually walk her through her pregnancy and then be there, as we say, on the other end of the postpartum unit to help her learn about what motherhood looks like. Or if she wants to make an adoption plan or another plan to help her walk through that, to love her through that, and to ultimately hold her hand through that. And you know what's so encouraging? is in all 50 states, we see churches, we see women, we see men who are willing to go the extra mile to walk side by side with these vulnerable women and these vulnerable children.
0: Yes, I love what you mentioned about that discipleship and mentorship piece. We had a guest on, she's a journalist who recently wrote a book about the brokenness of CPS and foster care in our system. That's not to say that there aren't some great CPS workers and some, you know, great people who work in the foster care system. But many times CPS simply gets it wrong. They either reunify parents without Uh, without any sort of process to try to help them break cycles of addiction to ensure the child's safety, or they are preventing family reunification in cases where it really could be good. It could be healthy and safe for both the parent and the child. And so there does seem to be that missing piece. Okay, if reunification is is going to be what the government does, well, those parents need to be prepared. They need to have community. They need to have accountability. They need to have love and support. And if they are working to get their kids back and the government is trying to prevent that, then you still need that community and that fellowship and that help. I think in isolation, these parents who are in crisis, who are working to get their kids back, who want to get their kids back, who are getting their kids back, as you said, that cycle can be so easily perpetuated if you don't have people around you who um, are really trying to support you. And a lot of what you're saying also, it just dispels this myth that we are constantly hearing from those who advocate for the choice of abortion, that while Christians are just pro-birth, once the woman gives birth, that's all Christians care about. It's just about, you know, forcing uh, complete pregnancies. But I mean, your organization every day is really embodying the objection to that myth so can you talk a little bit more about that what would you say if someone said oh you guys are are just pro-birth you don't care about what happens to these families after the babies are born
2: yeah, well, actually, interestingly enough, today marks my 19th year of serving here at Lifeline. Wow. And even before that, my uh, sweet wife, Ashley, served as a assistant director of a crisis pregnancy center. So in some ways, today marks 25 years of our family being actively engaged and involved in the pro-life movement. And what I can continually tell you is that the church wants to get engaged. The church wants to help women. And this whole idea that they're only there for the pregnancy, they're only there to see a woman give birth, is just not true. Uh, I, I could tell you right now, if abortion were completely illegal, I've been asked by state legislatures, I've been asked by congressmen, I've been asked in D.C., you know, is it Would there be families willing to adopt if abortion truly became illegal? And I can tell you there would be millions and millions of families who would step forward tomorrow to adopt. There are families that are wanting to do something and want to do anything. And the truth is I've got families that are lined up right now that would adopt children with Down syndrome, Turner syndrome, All range of special needs. So, even this idea that Christians aren't willing to care for the most vulnerable of children that are born is just not true and it doesn't stand up. But then on the other side, you know seeing my wife serve in the crisis pregnancy center, seeing the work that I have for the last 19 years, I've been able to work with crisis pregnancy centers all around the country. And these are some of the most you know, fear, fearless women who get into the front lines, who love on these women, who stay in touch with these women, who continue to, to see them through their pregnancy, who want to be a resource, who want to be an advocate. And probably the number one question I get asked by pastors in churches is what more can we do to help women who are going through crisis pregnancy? So the heartbeat of the gospel in our churches is that we want to be present and we want to, to come alongside of these women. And that's exactly what they need you know, one of the things we hear on the anti or on the pro-abortion, uh, you know, movement is that, uh, that that women who are impoverished are unfairly discriminated against. The truth of the matter is, all abortion does is steal a child from a woman, but it doesn't address her true poverty. And mm-hmm. what we see over and over is these women are impoverished, and it's not even the physical poverty they have. It's the relational and emotional poverty that they have. They don't have those relationships that are going to come alongside of them and love them. And that's what the church is for, is to come and say, come, we want to be with you. We want to walk with you. And we want to walk and walk and do life with you. And that's the beauty of the church and the beauty of God's people.
0: And what is your reaction to a lot of the vitriol that we are seeing with the prospect of Roe v. Wade being overturned? Because i you've been in this ministry for a long time. You just said almost 20 years, and I'm sure that you were even involved in it uh, before that. And so it's not really new, necessarily, the hostility that pro-lifers are getting. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, the New York Times reported inside an evangelical crisis pregnancy center. And um, they quoted NARAL saying that all crisis pregnancy centers are run by anti-choice extremists. And we're seeing that kind of rhetoric manifested in vandalism, in violence, in all kinds of personal and even physical attacks, unfortunately. Um, Tell me just like what your reaction is to some of that. And then What would your encouragement be to women who are pro-lifers, who are running these pregnancy centers, and who are kind of afraid right now because of the backlash that they're seeing?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, I hate to say it. I'm not surprised. When you even look at God's Word, I think of Isaiah. It says, Woe to you who call evil good and good evil. Uh, I read a, a report from the New York Times that came out last week on, you know, the the crisis pregnancy centers where it really even read like it could have been an article on the Babylon Bee mm-hmm. because it was saying that crisis pregnancy centers are, are spreading misinformation and they, they don't care about women and that they have all of these centers and 2,600 centers and they, you know, outrun Planned Parenthood And in the same article. It says that that what they call us anti-abortion, which I'll, I'll take that title. I'll so, also say I'm pro pro-life I'm anti-abortion yeah. of course, because abortion takes life. But it, it, even in the same article, it was saying that pro-lifers, anti-abortionists don't love for women. And yet in the same article, it says that our centers outnumber Planned Parenthood. And so it really read like a, uh, like a truly a, a farce or a parody. And so unfortunately I would say I'm not surprised, uh, And because I've had the opportunity to travel around the world to work with orphans and vulnerable children in 24 different countries and 24 different nations, I've been able to work in uh, the People's Republic of China, been able to work in India, been able to work in countries in the Middle East that that I won't mention. And you see the the persecution against believers, and it's biblical. If you look in the Bible— light is always going to be attacked by the darkness because the darkness does not like the light. And when you take the light of the gospel, when you take the light of life, life created in the image of God, and you start to push that into darkness, darkness will attack. And what I would tell these precious women who are getting up each and every day to serve in the crisis pregnancy centers what i would tell these these precious directors who literally have given their lives and their careers these 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 courageous women to loving on women in vulnerable places i would say do not lose heart because we serve one who has overcome the world and and remember that that Peter says do not be surprised beloved when the fiery trials come against you James says in James chapter 1 count it all joy my brothers when you are persecuted i, I hate to say it cuz we've had so much time in the united states where we've not had to face this type of persecution but now we are facing this persecution and now's not the time to tuck tail and run now is the time to continue to to persevere and to know that we are ultimately contending for the lives and the souls of women and children.
0: Yes. And amen. And if someone wants, they're hearing you right now and they're convicted and they're saying, you know what? Okay, enough of being scared or enough of being apathetic. I want to fight for this, this cause. I want to advocate for these families and their children. They don't know where to start. What can someone do today to ensure that they are helping and resourcing these women and children how they can.
2: Well, I think the first thing, and it sounds trite a lot of times when we say it, but I certainly hope that those who are listening will know that this is not at all trite. But we need to start on our knees. We serve the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We serve the God who created these men, these women, these children in His image. He is the one that is the most pro-life, more pro-life than we will ever be. And we need to go to the God of heaven to change hearts and change minds. You know, the Word of God says that the heart of the King is like streams of water in the hand of our God. And We need to pray to that God to ask him to change hearts, to change minds. You know, even as uh, we've been led to pray for the Supreme Court, I have found myself praying more for the four justices who uh, seem to be uh, against the leaked decision than I have the five justices. Mm. We need to be praying for hearts and minds to be changed. We need to be praying that women would find our centers. And then we need to not shrink back you know, again, the Bible says we are not of those that shrink back, but we are those that that go forward. We have the truth on our side. When you don't have the truth on your side, you have to make up lies. You have to make up terms. You have to make up slogans. You have to show violence against those who are the truth bearers. But we have the truth on our side and we go forward knowing that We're not promised prosperity. We're not promised that this will be peaceful. We're not promising that this will be easy, but we're ultimately contending for the souls and the lives of women and children in our country. And it's worth it. And so I would encourage those women to get up each and every day to go you're strapped up with the armor of God, knowing that you are going to contend for life. You're going to take the light of the hope of the gospel and that you are going to defend life. And there's nothing more precious. There's no better calling than to go and to defend life. And so I just pray that there will be boldness. I pray that there will be wisdom. And I pray not for safety, but I pray for success in seeing the hearts and minds of men and women changed.
0: Yes. And amen. Absolutely. Thank you so much for articulating the mis- uh, the mission. I can tell that this is just where your heart is and that um, you are really, you truly are a great messenger for this cause and a great motivator. If there has been anyone, any Christian who has kind of been on the fence about getting involved or maybe speaking up about this because they're afraid that it's too political or they have guilt about it, they don't know where they stand. I do hope and I pray that they listen to your message and they realize that This truly is a matter of life and death. This truly is a matter of good and evil, far more than it is a matter of left versus right or Republican versus Democrat. We're talking about light and darkness here. We're talking about image bearers, human beings, defenseless, innocent human beings. And we're talking about their mothers. We're talking about their families. And that that matters. Um, Thank you so much for the courage that you have given us. Courage begets courage and you have allowed us to borrow some of your courage today. So I really appreciate that. And if people want to check out either your book or the organization um, that you direct, where can they go to do that?
2: Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. And they can always go to lifelinechild.org online again that's lifelinechild.org and they can find out more about our organization how to get engaged how to get involved in defending the fatherless and defending vulnerable women on social media if they look for lifeline child they can find us on almost all of the the major uh, social media platforms and then i also want to just encourage folks to look for stand for life it's a coalition that we're a part of that includes Embrace Grace, and uh, The Human Coalition, and Heartbeat International, and other pro-life leaders in this space that are coming together to say, how do we hold each other's arms up, like Aaron and Her did for Moses in the wilderness? How do we hold our arms up so that we can continue to hold forth the light in this culture of darkness?
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and speak with us.
2: It was a pleasure, anytime.
0: All right, mega episode today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As I said, we are going to be gone for the next week and then Memorial Day, the Monday after Memorial Day weekend. We will be gone. We will be back that Tuesday. I just wanted to make sure that I could get in as much as I wanted to say today. And I just want to end on a note of encouragement. So I want to read from Romans uh, 8, 820 eight, let's see, yeah. Eight twenty-eight through mm, no, I'm gonna start with thirty-one In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Isn't that really good news? Isn't that really good news? Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer one. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also, remember this as you're scared to speak up at times, That is our only comfort in life or in death. You are placed when and where you are. So were your children, and so will your children's children be exactly where God wants us. We are here for a purpose, to obey Him, to glorify Him. He is going to protect us as much as He wants, for as long as He wants. And we can boldly and courageously do exactly what He calls us to do. So let us continue to be salt and light. Let us continue to be the aroma of Christ. Let us continue to be ambassadors for the gospel with the power and the strength and the boldness and the courage of the Holy Spirit. Let us come together and link arms to share arrows, to remember that courage begets courage and to speak up for the things and the people that matter. And oh, by the way, (laughs) we also have new merchandise. If you don't, if you love God, as I said, but you hate low rise jeans, then you will love our new merchandise. So make sure you check that out. We'll link it. Uh, We've got stickers and we've got shirts and all that good stuff. I just wanted to make sure that I gave one final shout out for that uh, before we headed out. Thank you guys so much for who you are, for listening. If you love the show, feel free to leave a five star review. We will be back here the Tuesday after Memorial Day enjoy the week we will be enjoying our vacation i will see you guys back here then